on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everybody uh it is another episode of the three questions with andy richter and i am very happy to be talking to my friend yvette nicole brown the emmy nominated <laughs> yvette nicole brown how how about that oh andy first of all i am overjoyed to be here with you i have missed your sweet little face and though no oh, one else can see it you. i'm looking at it in the zoom <laughs> right now and i've missed it um i can't believe i'm emmy nominated i don't know yeah i can't believe it because I, I imagine, because it's it's in Black Lady Sketch Show, it was a yeah. guest spot that you did. And I can't imagine that you go in, because I mean, I've done a million guest spots, and you don't think, oh, this is going to get me an Emmy nomination. Never. Never. Yeah. And, and, and was I it think, a surprise when you got the... It's still a surprise today. It's been two months, <laughs> and I'm still like, anytime someone says Emmy now, I'm like, who are they talking about? Yeah, but you yeah. know what's funny? I, um, no, I did not go into it going, this is, this one's going to be the one. You know, I knew that it was funny, but listen, we we're journeyman um, actors. We've been on a lot of shows where our yeah. parts were funny, or you know, and and it's been crickets. So, yeah, you know, I know. And it's and it's a listen. It's a a small appearance. I did two episodes. Two. I did. It, I played the same character for two seasons back to back, and I think my sketch is like four minutes long. So, yeah. and, and there's it's surrounded by so many other talented people and sketches. And I, did I think? No, I never thought they'd pick me out of a bunch ever. This is yeah. ridiculous in a great way. Well, fantastic. Uh, congratulations. And Thank I hope you, you I hope you get it. Listen, I, I, I can't even dream that big, but that would be an even <laughs> bigger surprise. Right. It's, yeah. Well, it's also to. You know, nobody. I, well, I mean, I can't say nobody, but I, I certainly did not think when I started to do this for a living. Oh, and yes. And I will also get trophies. Never. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, <laughs> who the hell thinks about that? Never. And then there's this weird. And I've always said. Like the fact that they give awards in this stuff is the the weird thing about this to me. Yeah. And it, it's from having gone, it's from having been on the Conan show for mm -hmm. so for many years, getting nominated for writing almost mm -hmm. every year for a number of years, we got nominated for writing. And then we would go where everybody would get on a plane and fly to New York and we'd have this fun weekend and it would be fun. But then you'd sit there and you'd find yourself like, you know what? I kind of want to win this thing. <laughs> and then, and then we never did. I, I mean, they, did. Did, they, they won one once after I had, after I left the show. Yeah. But I, it always struck me that like in a business that is so centered on rejection, yeah. like, and that, and that you spend like, first of all, to even be in that room, you're a winner. 
you know, like, like you're, you're working, you're doing this for a living. And that makes you such a slim percentage of the people that think of themselves as actors. Right. So we all put ourselves, we get past the actual rejection. We've all been accepted. Yeah. So we put ourselves into this room and we dress up fancy. Yes, we do. For all of us, but one of us to feel rejected again, 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 you know, again. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, you've got this category of people that you're in. You're all winners. You're all making a living, but yet only one of you gets to feel good. Only one. The rest of you get to feel like they rejected me again. And you're walking in knowing full well that the odds are not in your favor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a Mm 50-50. It's one in five or one in six chance that it could be you. And there's so many factors that have to line up. And that's why I say, don't even think about the win. Yeah, like, yeah. like I'm not even thinking about the win. Like I, I am so excited that I got recognized by my peers that to actually win would almost, I maybe make my heart explode. I don't know where I would even <laughs> file that. Right. Cause I'm so in the, gosh, they saw me. It's like that. Cause I think every performer, don't we do this because we, at some point in our childhood, we just wanted to be seen like you, we, and not even from the ego space of look at me, look at me, but just, I'm here. I, I exist. Yeah. You know, I'm here too. And so once you're in the business and you know, like I'm 20 some years into this, right. Yeah. And you go year after year and you're doing work and no one in, in that realm has ever said that you were one of the best this year in that section. Yeah. You kind of just go, cause I've been jokingly and saying like, I think there's people that take that, that are in that lane. Like as soon as they open their mouth, they will be awarded every time there's a chance mm-hmm. And then there's others who are just super duper excited that they get to, to do this for a living. And I've always been one of those, oh gosh, I get to do this for a living. This is so great. So I never even thought about what the people in the other lane were doing. Yeah. And now, Andy Richter, the amount of fashion and prep planning and COVID tests <laughs> that go into getting ready for an award season. Yeah. Ooh, these people, been they've been working very hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those award-winning and nominated folks have been working very hard for many years. I, I didn't have to do any of this stuff till then. I, yeah, that's, I hear, I mean, you know, and television's a different world too, because mm-hmm. like a friend of mine was once in uh, a, uh, Oscar contention, Yeah, you know, and, and was sort of, you might get a nomination for this, so we got, and then there's this whole season of, going to dinners and meeting people and going lot. to panels. And it's, it's still all lot. just like, oh my gosh, you don't, that's not what you come into this thinking it's you're going to do. It's you not. Know? And, and I don't think the, the wise people are, are clamoring for that. I think yeah. it's, you know, and there's now listen, there are people that are super extroverts and very fashion forward and fashion conscious. Right. Um, I'm and not very e- competitive too. And, right. I'm neither, I'm neither, none of those things. Yeah, I'm not yeah, competitive. I'm not a fashion plate and um, I'm, I'm not an extrovert. So everything about going to places to get attention so that someone could choose you is so foreign to me. Yeah. Like even, even the campaigning that I found out later goes into even getting a nomination. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know that people were going to different events to meet certain people in the peer group so that they could get them. I didn't know all that was happening. And that's the other reason why to get the nomination, knowing I didn't campaign for anything aside from saying, Hey guys, I'm on this ballot with 500 other people. If you liked what I did, I'd love to, I'd love to be considered, but I didn't call anybody or go anywhere or shake any hands. I just did my work and, and went on with my life. So it's, there's a level to this. Um, 
I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, that I, I don't think, know about. I think the way that you did it too makes it more fun. You know, it it's does. like it doesn't seem as calculated. It seems yeah. more like a like a gift, you know, it rather rather than something gift. you finagled, you know. Yeah, no, it's a one. It's a so. wonderful gift and a wonderful surprise, and I'm very grateful and humbled by it all. How much your of of that humility do you think is is Midwestern? Is all Ohio? Of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of it. It's. I was just talking to a home. I'm doing a press day today um, for my movie, and um, I'm have a movie that's out and some other and you know the Emmy thing and all this. So I'm talking to a lot of people condensed on uh, today, and I talked to a hometown outlet from Cleveland, and we talked about the under underdog spirit of Cleveland and what Midwestern, what a, what a Midwestern upbringing breeds in people. And I feel like Midwesterners are scrappy. I feel like we're, we're hopeful. I, I feel like we're kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a humility that comes that's bred in us from the winters. <laughs> I think the winters make us humble because no matter who you think you are or where you think you're going, the wrong snowstorm on the wrong morning will upend everything you have planned. So if you can't find a way <laughs> to get around who you think you are, yeah, you know, Ohio, you, you know, weather is humbling. Weather is, weather is Absolutely. a great equalizer. So I think it's the snow that makes us kinder people. Yeah. I also think too, the, the thing that I like about Midwesternness, because it's not all great. Like some of it's no. sort of, you know, there's also sort of this humility that is covering up like intense judgment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like on the surface, everybody's sort of like kind and humble and yeah. unassuming, but there's always like, oh my God, get a load of that guy, you know? <laughs> um, but that usually comes from humility too, right? We're usually saying get a load of that, uh, at, of that guy at, oh, the, right. at the peacock. Yes, you know, it's the, the one that's out guy. strutting yeah, and acting yeah. like they're special because we're not those types of people. Yeah. We don't we don't yeah. shine a light on ourselves yeah. or we don't do the look over here. So when somebody's crowing around, you kind of go, look at this guy. In, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's still part of the, the humble spirit. I, I heard about it in, in New Zealand, but I think it's an Australia thing and they call it and it's very they they think of it as being very Aussie, New Zealand. Um, they call it tall poppy syndrome, mm. which is that. If you grow poppies in your garden and you want them all to be the same level, if any yeah. of them grow up too high, you cut their heads off. Wow. So it's like that's the idea that if anybody gets too big for their britches in New Zealand, they got to cut them down because You know, it's yeah. I think that I think that's a part of Ireland too. I just spent 3 months in Ireland and I saw this thing on Twitter um that said never <laughs> Never try to be fashionable in Ireland. Yes. And it is an entire You see that? There's an entire th- thread of people talking about comments that were it's made. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hilarious when they tried to do something unique and different and everybody in Ireland was like, no, get a load of this guy. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, and they're a scrappy, you know, humble right. people over there. So I think that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I saw that because like somebody said they wore a yellow puffer jacket to work <laughs> and somebody said right, right when they walk in the door, who are you? Tinky or Lala? <laughs> Tinky Winky or Lala. Right, and then somebody you know. else chimed in and said, oh, guys, be care- be be nice to him. I've got one of those at home. It's around my water heater. Yeah, but I got, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was just like, they, the whole the whole pub just, turned yeah, on the guys for just, just a yellow puffer jacket. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Love it. Um, so you're from Ohio. I am, Cleveland, and, yes. Yeah, and how long, how, up until, like, what age were you in Ohio? 
I was in Ohio until I was 23. I came out right, came out to LA right after college. And that was for acting, right? Yeah. To come you know, I, re- I originally came out to California to sing. I started as a singer. I had a, a oh, record wow. deal with Motown when I was a teenager. I was signed by uh, Michael Bivens of Belbib DeVoe, a new edition. He had a, a record label with Motown called Bib 10. And he had a, a group of talents called East Coast Family Boys to Men was in there. Uh-huh. And um, we did a video and um, I thought I was going to be the next somebody. Yeah, and I moved out to LA after college to to chase my music dreams, and it just didn't work out. So I said, yeah, "Let me yeah. try acting," and so I've yeah. been doing this. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's not a great fallback for music. I'll try. I'll <laughs> be not, that's no, acting. This, That'll be okay. the thing. Yeah, listen, I know, and and listen, God protects the 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 dumb and the dumber. You know, like I <laughs> to move, like I moved out here with with a place to stay for three days. Yeah, this is this is the the hubris and not even hubris, but the naivete of a, a young person from the Midwest. Like I just felt sure you can go to uh, three days is more than enough time to find a place to lay my head <laughs> and put my things, you know? And thankfully the Lord stepped in and I did find a friend of mine, my friend from high school, her mother had just moved out here and had like a single apartment in Pasadena. And like on day two, I started calling everybody back home. Does anybody know anybody in LA that'll let me stay with them? And, um, and I got to stay. My friend Diana, her mom, let me stay uh, with her for I think three months. I stayed on her on her love seat in her single apartment. Oh wow! You know, but but that's those but those times though, Andy Richter, are the times that I I look back on like those were the good days because mm-hmm. you 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 didn't have anything. I was on the bus. I, I didn't have a pot to piss in and a window to throw it out. No money. Um, was starving all the time. Never had food. But I would just get up every morning and walk down um, Colorado Boulevard. This is when it was just being built up. Like a lot of the stores were just going in and it was just becoming this amazing street that it is now. And I would just walk and look in windows and dream of like, one day I'm going to be able to buy that body butter in the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, one day I'm going to be able to go into that ice cream store because it was like a 31 flavors on the corner. And I'd be like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get a scoop of everything just to yeah. taste and figure out which one I like. Like I would just dream, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even afford to go to the movie. So I would walk by the marquee and just go, man, I bet that Brad Pitt movie is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see it one day on DVD. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It literally was that. I was that low down um, in society's standards, but my spirit was buoyant and yeah. I just knew great things were coming. Um. Well, let's, I, I want to get, what was your childhood like in, in, in Ohio? Was it, uh, you were in East Cleveland? East is Cleveland. That right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. East Cleveland and Warrensville. Um, and what is East Cleveland compared to just regular old Cleveland? East I don't know Cleveland, Cleveland that East well. Cleveland's the hood. East oh, Cleveland is. is the, you know, it, it's, it's a little rough and tumble. Um, mm-hmm. Still good people, just maybe not, it's not a suburb. Let's say that. Yeah, I got you. Um, in fact, there's parts that the streets I grew up on, sadly, um, every Every other house is now torn down or needs yeah. to be. You know, it's really in need of um, a refurbishing. And I hope that it's coming. I hope that um, that people that grew up on those streets will maybe move back or buy their family home and and rehab it. You know, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. So it was not. It was it was a lovely place to grow up, but it was not the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was a single. My mom uh, raised me and my brother. My mom and dad were divorced when I was one years old, I think. So my dad was always in my life. He just was never in the house with us. He was. And, oh, um, so he was nearby. Oh, yeah. He lived. He, my dad, uh, the whole time I was growing up, he never lived further than 10 minutes from us. He always oh, wanted great. to make sure he was close enough where if we ever needed him, he could get to us. That's so. really yeah, important. You know, it is. I, I know, you know, being a divorced dad myself, 
yeah. and staying within 10 minutes of where my kids live. Yeah. Uh, I know so many divorced dads that don't do that. They think, yeah. well, now I can go and I uh, I don't understand it. I don't either. You know? I don't, I don't understand either. it. You know, my my dad lived four hours away and I only mm-hmm. saw him twice a year and I wow. put myself in those shoes and I'm like, if I live four hours away from my kids, out of whatever necessity, whatever reason there was, I think I might have seen I might see him more than twice a year. I think you know? I think that knowing the man that you are, I think that's yeah. true. That's I mean, I just true. I don't know, you know, but I don't. Yeah, you know, that's a whole different story. Yeah, no, uh, but it's but it's yeah. it's a real one. And I, you know, my dad, I found out years later when I when I actually went home because I, I I'm his caregiver, so he lives with me in L.A. But when I went back to Ohio to get him and pack him up, I found out from him for the first time, you know, I found out how I asked him why he chose to live in the apartments that he lived in. My entire life, my dad lived in apartments that were really small and cramped and, you know, not necessarily in the nicest building. And um, and he was always a man that was well-dressed and took good care of himself, but he just, his apartments never seemed to match who he was and where he was in his life. And I asked him why. And he said, I lived well below my means so that if you guys ever needed anything, I would have I would have it for you. Oh, so wow. he sacrificed his living space. Yeah. So his quality of living was sacrificed so that if, if by chance, we needed something for school or needed something, wanted to take a field trip or something that he could provide that. And he did not get a nicer apartment until me and my brother both graduated from um, college. Oh, wow. That was the first time he lived in a place where he he lived someplace that was worthy of the, the wonderful man that he is. And yeah. So, and he helped you throughout college, I take it? Yeah. I, yeah, um, yeah. I we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so I had scholarships. I had grants. I had, um, I worked. I had, I've had a job every, ever since I was 15 and a half. Yeah. So um, I, I worked. I had a job all through college and my dad would, he would pay for my books or he would help with um, my tuition, thank God, was paid for my scholarships, but he would help with um, any any extra stuff that I needed that my job and the Pell Grants and all that didn't cover. So, yeah. um, and, and you know, my first car I got was a, was a beat up, I think it was like 10 years old, 10 or so years old when I got it. But my dad, I was working at a record store and my, I remember my dad driving up in this beat up little Nissan Sentra and rusty because it's from Ohio. So we had rust on it. It was yeah. a little tiny car. <laughs> and he's in the car with the the dealer. And my dad had gone to a deal, a used car dealership and brought the, the car and the dealer to this job. That and he said, Yvette, I think, I think this is it. And I think the car cost probably $1,500. And yeah. my dad was like, I'm, I'm going to put half on it. Like if you can, if we can finance the seven fifty, I'm gonna take some savings and put that other seven fifty with it. But I think this will, this is the one. And that little Nissan Sentra carried me for a good five six years when I yeah. first moved to LA. Um, I was here like six months and then had it shipped out. Like uh-huh. that little car carried me, and that was a gift, a, you know, a gift, a, a, a co partnership with my dad to make it make it happen. You know, my yeah. dad's great. My mom and my mom has passed on, but my my parents are great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That really, I mean, I mean, no wonder that you have the, well, 
it's funny because if (laughs) to do this stuff for a living, you either need to have self-assuredness or like profound, wild insecurity, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that you have to go to through crazy gestures to squash, you know? Right. But uh, I think you're coming from the healthy, you're like, you're one of the healthy ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have crippling insecurity. Um, And that doesn't mean that I, I am, uh, I think that I'm magically delicious or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I have a mirror. I know I'm a, a chubbier, fluffy haired, a black girl. I'm not deceived about what my, my uh, options are in this, in this life or in this career. But I do believe that my mother raised me to, to be a good person and to yeah. be a kind person. And what I have found in this life is that more opportunities will come because you're kind than because you're beautiful or you're talented or Absolutely. you're rich or whatever. And so yeah, yeah. every blessing I've gotten in life and in this business has been because I'm a decent human being. And and I, that's where I put, that's the feather in my cap that I haven't yeah. hurt anybody. I haven't lied on anybody. I haven't stabbed anybody in the back. Everything I've gotten has been from hard work and, and being decent. And yeah. I'm proud of that. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? I remember uh, I worked in film production when I... Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, I went to film school, worked in film production when I got out because I wanted to do something in this mm-hmm. industry, was just too shy to say I want to act. Yeah. But I remember when I started working in film production, which is, you know, you get on a Montgomery Wards commercial, it it might be <laughs> 10 days of 14 hour days for, ten, yeah. you know, and I realized, like, if you're an asshole you're, they're not going to hire you because they got to spend 14 hours and with nobody you. wants to be and that's, an asshole for 14 yeah the, and and you when you think about an actor because it happens all the time where you see an actor in something old and you're like whatever happened to her or whatever happened to him <laughs> and, exactly and it's and I, it's I always feel like it's either drugs <laughs> or or or, an, or a combination or they were just so awful that nobody yeah. wanted to work with them yeah and I, I don't I, I know people, I know them. I know people, you know, that have been, that were working just fine and now don't work much. I know people that they're were, unbearable. At, were at the top of their game Yeah, nobody will hire them for anything now. Yeah. So I, listen, I, I don't know why someone got lied to and told that they could be a jerk and yeah. thrive. 
Yeah. I, I was never told that. I was yeah, told yeah. that if you're a jerk, you you um your opportunities dry up. Yeah. That's what I was I was raised that you you don't want to be the jerk. No. No. And I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. You know, even I, to me, it's always just amazing. If you're just a person that cares about the bottom line, mm-hmm. like what can I get out of a situation? Being nice, it greases the gears better than anything else. Yeah. And But on top of it, it's its own reward. You it feel is. good. You know, you get to go to sleep at night feeling good about yourself and about humanity. I got to say this, though, Andy, I did have somebody, an actress, a starlet say to me once, um, I don't know what I was doing on set. I might have been talking to the background actors or something, just regular human stuff. And this woman uh, said to me, wow, you're really nice. And I said, yeah. She was like, I don't know how to do that. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, Yeah, you just, you just saw it. That's what it is. care about people. This chick was like, I, I don't know what that is. And so I I think that we we can say that it's easy to do because we're just we're decent people. But I think some people, they just weren't raised to see yeah. anybody beyond themselves. They weren't yeah. raised to to clock a need that does not funnel back to their own well-being. I think that's yeah. what we're dealing with in right now with COVID and everything. Like the idea that people don't want to be inconvenienced by wearing a mask even though they know that wearing the mask helps others. Yeah. Because if, if we, the mistake was saying you wear the mask for others. Had yeah, they yeah. Said in America, yeah, absolutely. you wear the mask for you. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot more people be wearing masks. But because it's for others, I you know. don't care. I know. <laughs> so they're not wearing it. So Well, it's also, uh, if it had happened... Like, I just think it's also, too, it's just the timing with Trump. It's just like yeah. everything, everything's, everybody's got to, if, 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 if there's something that sort of like regular, normal people that aren't mm-hmm. insane, uh, are just are, you know, say like, well, this is something to do. There's all these people that follow him. They're like, nope. Nope. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I, I, like if he said something about wearing seatbelts is is for losers, they'd stop wearing seatbelts. It's just Isn't it's, that scary. It's ridiculous. It's, it's and really I just scary. I'm just sort of sitting here waiting for it to end. I mean, you know, I, I thought that it was going to end. I on thought January so, too. 20th, you, know? But, you know, January 6th told me that it probably wouldn't end on January 20th. I know, I know. I know. Here we are. It's a, it's a it's rough. It's really I, rough. Well, yeah, it's that's a. That's we could talk about that for a long time. It would not be fun. <laughs> would, not, um, would not. So when you were younger, was it music? Was that the thing? Oh, like, were gosh. you singing and singing and singing? Was it it's church still, singing? Was it school singing? Was it all of it? It's still music for me. Like music is, oh, gosh, if I hear a song with amazing music or lyrics or a vocal that is just beyond, I'm I'm just over over the moon. Um, and yes, it was church singing. It was singing in um, at school. It was singing in talent shows. In Cleveland, um, I've really any. I mean, I once a group I was in. We once sang Christmas carols walking through a grocery store oh, at wow. Christmas time. Like there was, I've sung in the men's underwear That's department. That's fun. That's yeah, I, I like would a, love that. Yeah. yeah, of a department store. Like you just, I've I I used to sing anywhere. Someone said, "Who's a singer who can sing?" I'm like, I I me because I just saw it as my way out. I was like, this is how I'm going to to make make my way in life. I'm going to be a performer. Yeah. You know? So. And so when you, is that what you studied in college? Did you study 
No, I actually studied um, mass mass media. I thought I would be a journalist because I was. I'm also very practical, right? So yeah, yeah, I spent all of my teen years chasing music, and then when it didn't happen, when I didn't become a, a, a recording artist by six, I wasn't discovered and became an artist by sixteen and rich and famous and swept to LA. Um, I when I went to college, I'm like, well, what else am I good at? And I'm like, I really am good at public speaking, and I. Um, I care about the news and what's happening in the world. So I'll be a journalist. I'll write for a newspaper or I'll be an anchor, you know, or I'll be a talk show host. So that's what I majored in. Um, I have a, a bachelor's in fine and applied arts with a journalism um, mass media bent. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, but you didn't, you decided to not really pursue that or did you? No, that was the fallback. Oh, okay. That was the like, if all else fails, I'll, I'll do the news. Yeah. So, or I'll write, you know, um, I really did want to be a singer and, um, and, and an actor as like a, the other fallback. And then oh, the okay. main thing that I, when I was a kid, what I wanted to do is I wanted to be a, a, a teacher, a kindergarten teacher. I still dream of doing that. Yeah. I still love five and six year olds and I love teachers. I think they're so unsung. So yeah. Um, I still dream about that. And I try to, I try to be a bit of a teacher in everything that I do when I'm on Twitter and in interviews and stuff, I try to impart things that I've learned that I think are important for people. So yeah, it's still a part of my life. And teaching is show business. You know, you're performing, you're, you know, you're putting on a show every, right. Every, every class that you yeah. teach. That's right. So when you came out here, mm-hmm. uh, what, what's the adjustment? Like what, how does explain sort of the, the sort of shifting of expectations and, and rearranging of kind of goals. I mean, the sort of the chronology of that. <laughs> and you know, it's funny coming to LA. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, it was like, how do I eat? <laughs> like, <laughs> there were so many months of my life when I first moved out here where I was so hungry all mm-hmm. the time. Um, I've told this story before, but it's worth saying again. When I was, I was living, I had a room. I was renting a room in a house in Inglewood for three hundred dollars a month. It was like my grace gift to have my own door that I could close. But I had no money. I was on the bus. I had no money. I was temping um, up in Hollywood at Motown. And um, if I went to work and it was someone's birthday or, um, you know, something like that, then I would definitely be able to to eat. Or a friend went and ordered a sandwich. Sometimes they'd cut me a little quarter, a fourth of it and share it with me because people knew that I was starving. Yeah. (laughs) And then one day I came home from, um, from, I had been living, this is what I had been living on at the time. I would get a pack of dinner rolls, a 12 pack of dinner rolls, a box of instant mashed potatoes that you could make with water. It was important that you could make it with water because water you didn't was have milk. Yeah, right. yeah. And then, or butter or eggs or anything. And, yeah. and then I had, um, if I was really splurging, like if I really was balling out of control that week, I would get the ex, the thick, the thick A1 sauce. Now, if you take that piece of that one, that one roll, one scoop of instant potatoes, one cup, mix it up and then a couple of dabs of that of that um a1 it would taste like to me a steak and potato dinner so <laughs> i would eat i'm looking i'm salivating at the thought of it so i would eat <laughs> one one roll one cup of mashed potatoes and three or four dabs of um a1 a day yeah i was not trying to be thin i just had to conserve that 12 rolls would hold me for 12 days i yeah. figured it out and so I was starving. I was, I lost like 30 pounds within like, you know, a month or so. And my roommate was a nurse, Gigi, God bless Gigi. She was a pediatric nurse and 
she, um, one day I came home and the entire counter was filled with all these different foods and name brand. Like it was like Wonder Bread. It wasn't like Kroger's brand. It was Wonder Bread. And I went into, and listen, like almost in tears seeing this cornucopia of greatness. I go into Gigi's room and I go, Gigi, you forgot to put your food away. And she said, no, that's all for you. She was like, um, and she said, I get emotional every time I think about it. And she said, you know, I see that you're starving. And um, I don't want you to ever go through that as long as I'm here. So please, if you ever, it's that bad, please tell me. And she literally saved my life, Andy, because I was starving. Yeah. Um, so that, and it's a good example of what my path in LA has been like, because every time I have been starving literally or figuratively, a Gigi has appeared. Yeah. Every single time someone has miraculously or divinely been sent to build a bridge to get me to whatever the next place is. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you, you got other things to do after this and you. It's all right. I'll it's catch a- it. I mean, listen, I'll be talking about my mom at some point and I'll cry then too. So. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. That's really, yeah. I mean, I had the, I would, the first time I came out here, I was staying on a friend's couch and I went yeah. to the store and bought uh, an aluminum tray and the stuff to make lasagna. And I made <laughs> lasagna and I ate lasagna for as, you know, it was like a big sheet pan. Yeah. Every meal was lasagna. You know, it yeah. was like some, con- it was like breakfast. I'd have a piece of lasagna. Yeah. People lunch, don't, people really lunch. don't know. They yeah. really don't know what, what it takes to have a career in this business, especially if you're not a legacy. Like my mother's not a famous actress. I'm not rich. I, you know, all of those things, a lot of people start with that, you know, yeah. I didn't have that. So there's a lot of things like, and when I'm on Twitter, like the thing that makes me the angriest, one of the things that makes me the angriest is when someone questions why I care about something and their thought is, well, you're, you know, you're a rich actress, you're, you're elite. And I'm like, I am a kid from East Cleveland who has worked for everything I've ever gotten. And mm-hmm. I've never lost that feeling or that um, connection to, to be having less yeah. ever. Yeah. Every, every decision I make, the, the, the charities I support, they're all in line with helping people who are in that spot, that yeah. tight spot of wanting to become something or do something great. And it's just tight. You know, one of yeah. my favorite charities is Donors Choose because it, it lines up teachers who want to do great things for their students, but don't have the money. And it allows people that do have $5 or $25 that they can spare to sow into that teacher's project so that these babies can have something great in their lives. Like that's that's who I am. That's what I'm connected to. So this idea that because I'm on television or because in someone's mind I've made it, I no longer know how much milk costs yeah. or I no longer understand what it's like for a single mother. I grew up with a single mother. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I've been hungry. I've, I've slept in my car. I've slept on a floor. I know what that is. And I've never lost my attachment to it or my my um, respect for those who survive it yeah. ever. So, oh, I get mad when people think I don't know. Yeah, no, I know, and it it's, really it's the shittiness of Twitter too. It's like oh, it's like Twitter. you wouldn't you wouldn't encounter that. Fe- I mean, you would occasionally 
If there was no Twitter, you would yes. occasionally encounter people that would make you indignant for that reason. Who right. Would treat you as like, well, what do you care, Miss, you know, Emmy nominee? Emmy nominee. Yeah. Right. Um, you'd only occasionally run into them. Whereas in Twitter, you meet them every, every, you can, every five 15 minutes. minutes every you could five meet minutes is a jerk. Who's an this. asshole. Yeah. And they're assholes because they're anonymous and because they're hiding, you know, behind something. And, and because they, their life is probably pretty crappy. I don't know anybody whose life is amazing that spends their time trying to destroy other people's spirits. Yeah. I don't know anybody that's balling out of control in the spirit space. Yeah. That is trying to tear down another person. So anyone, right. and it's, they show themselves. It's like, Oh, yeah. how much, I mean, there's a, there's this great um, influencer, an actor named Tabitha Brown, and she got into a, well, she didn't get into a dust up. There was something, something was said about her and her family by a, a, somebody on television and Tabitha did an Instagram video to discuss the, you know, the gall of this person to say something about her family. And what Tabitha said is, oh, what pain you must be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that was the, the best description of how it feels when you're attacked by a troll. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. poor thing, you must be suffering that you're yeah. here doing this right now. Well, oh, it's one, so sad. One of my coworkers used to say there was a, a job that I worked on. There was somebody who was just like nice to everybody above him and awful to everybody oh, it's below horrible. him. It's one of horrible. those kind of people. Oh, and, gross. and, we would often talk about that guy must be so miserable. Has like that be. guy, Has like he be. must just be so miserable. And one of my coworkers said, yeah, he goes, I think about that, how miserable he must be in his life. But then I make myself remember <laughs> what he's done and what he said. Cause he's like, I don't want to give too, you know, like, I don't want to like, get too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I don't want to give him waste too much sympathy on, you know, <laughs> on this guy, I want right. to make myself like, yeah, yeah. He's miserable. And he may, he takes it on the bill. Let's remember the other people. You You're know? exactly true that, yeah. that he's harmed. Right. Yeah. And, so karma, what, and karma won't forget either, though. Oh, right? no. Well, yeah. you you hope. You cross your fingers. No, and hope. no, no, no. Karma never misses. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a believer. It never misses. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. I hope because, mm-hmm. man, there's some karma coming for some people. Mm-hmm. Please. We may never see it. That's the thing. Yeah. Can I tell my, can I tell my, my uh, X-Files thing about this, please? Sure, of course. Okay. So um, anyone that watches X-Files remembers the Cigarette Smoky Man and the Cigarette, cigarette yeah. if you haven't watched, Cigarette Smoky Man is a man that was kind of in the on the periphery or in the background of every horrible thing that happened in the last right. 30 or 40 years. And it was a mystery of like who uh, yeah, that who guy is, was. Who this guy and, is. Yeah. Right. And so there was an episode where they followed Cigarette Smoky Man home. And as he opens his door, he like can barely open the door because behind it is a stack of manila envelopes. And we don't know what's in the manila envelopes. And he checks his mail and there's a brand new manila envelope and he opens it up. And it says, Dear Cigarette Smoking Man, I don't know what the man's name is. Yeah, yeah. Dear Cigarette Smoking Man, thank you for sending us your manuscript. Unfortunately, we cannot accept blah, 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 blah. So he puts the manuscript back into the manila envelope and puts it on top of the stack of all the manila envelopes that are there. And that episode never left me because I thought to myself, as horrible as this man is and how he has been a part of every horrible thing that has happened in America, even he has a dream. And yeah. because of his wretchedness, he will never have the thing that he wants most. And this is the thing. Had we not followed him home, we wouldn't know that he right. was a failed writer. God knew. Yeah. And God came out of eternity and took his thumb and put it right in the middle of that dream and said, this is the one thing you will never have. And this is what I know about karma. No matter mm-hmm. who you are, you got something that you want. You got yeah. something that you dream of that you maybe have told no one. And when you are wretched and nasty, 
God will come out of eternity and put his thumb right in the middle of it. So like I say, karma never misses. We may not see it. Yeah. But it never misses. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I better be nice then. You're always nice. Oh, that's true. I am. I am pretty nice. You're a sweetie pie. Most of the time. I think, yeah. I think most of the um, time as well. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my mom doesn't think I call enough, but. Well, you know. listen, we can't please everyone all the time, that's, but I think that true. you, and I'm going to say this, having lost my mom, call your mom more. All right, I will. Once I'm okay. telling you, Andy, cherish her because once she's gone, it, it is a whole nother level of what? Yeah. So please, and, and I will. do it, do it, do it. I will. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Now, uh, tell me about, about okay, I'm going to be an actor then. <laughs> like, what happens then? Uh, how I made that decision? Or yeah. What? Um, you know, music, I always feel like you should, you should chase what wants you back, right? And so music, mm-hmm. as much as I love music, music just did not li- love me back. And so I just realized that I really like making people laugh. And I, I felt like I had a bit of something that might work on screen. And so I thought, well, let me just try. I was actually um, in a in a church drama group and um, a playwright named David E. Talbert, who um, had a great uh, movie on, um, on Netflix this past summer called, uh, past winter called Jingle Jangle. But he also did a lot of stage plays and he was like Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry. And um, he was he was casting for a play, and I, none of us at the in the in the drama group knew it. And he came to one of our rehearsals, and I got an audition, and went and audition, and got to create a role in a stage play that toured the country for eight months. And that was my first professional acting gig. And I was working at the time as a legal secretary at Showtime, and my my uh, boss, Steve Rogers, attorney Steve Rogers, thank you to him, um, said, "We love you here." We'd love for you to stay, but we know that you've got this dream. So go out for a month, see if you like it. We'll hold your job. If you like it after a month, you can quit then. If you don't like it, you come home and your job is waiting for you. And so that's another Gigi. I told you every time I'm yeah, at Crossroads, wow. a Gigi would appear. What a I nice was, boss. Right? Yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, he's retired now. He's in Palm Springs living his best life. Yeah. But um, I went out on the road with the tour. I knew within the first week that I loved it. Like the the bug bit me and I called and I said, guys, I'm sorry, I'm staying out here. Thank you so much. And um, I did the play. I toured with the play for eight months and then came back to LA and thought, I really want to try this. So I, um, I got a commercial agent and 
started auditioning and I booked an industrial like within the first two or three weeks. And then I started booking national commercials and I did like 45 national commercials in my commercial run. Um, yeah. and, and then auditioned for pilot season, got a sitcom. It just, and then it just took off from there. But Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that's, and I mean, doing that commercial work, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you get, one or two good commercials and that's your year. Yeah. You know, you're that's good. your year of legal secretary. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not so much that way anymore. I think the money's come down and a lot yeah, of that I, stuff. I kind of got into commercials right after the commercial strike. I remember, I remember back before the strike, you would do one McDonald's commercial and that McDonald's commercial would air for five years and you would just be minting money. After yep. the strike, they started doing the strip commercials where they do you know, you'd, you'd film your McDonald's commercial along with a Latino family, a Bangladesh family, yeah, uh, yeah. little kids, a cartoon version. And then each one of you would get three months instead yeah. of five years, you'd get three months. So it just was, a, it was less opportunity for you to like, you know, buy a house from yeah, your yeah. commercial money. And that's why it was important to just stack as many of them as you can. Like try right, to just right. book as many as you can as quickly as possible, which is what yeah. I tried to do. And um, well, that's, uh, I mean, that must have felt great. I mean, it must have mm-hmm. felt like I know, you know, I, I I made the right choice. Yeah. Um. But are you, are you, are you at all nervous because it is kind of an adjusted career choice? And you were, you know, because I mean, I know when I started getting hired as my, my training was improv. I took a couple of theater classes when I was in college, but didn't really like respond to them. I didn't really get them. So all my training was just on stage doing improv. So when I started getting jobs in movies, I really was like, Oh shit. Do I really know how (laughs) to do this? this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would, you know, and I would be like my first scene in a movie, it was in a cable movie. Uh, I mean, that's how old it was. We called it a cable movie yeah. at the time. <laughs> movie of the uh, week. Yeah, it was. Well, it was like for it was for HBO, I think. And mm-hmm. um, and you know, my scene was with. I had one scene. I played a, a young like sheriff's officer, mm-hmm. and uh, my scene was with Bo Bridges and Sweezy Kurtz. Wow, this is yeah. a great start, man. Yeah, Come on. and but it was just all so weird, and I felt like yeah. You know, the director, the director was Michael Ritchie, who was, uh, mm-hmm. he directed a f- famous movie called Smile. That was probably mm-hmm. his, which was like kind of like an Altman-esque uh, 70s uh, beauty pageant movie. Mm. And, um, and but he was just really wonderful and like, just like, great. Everything you're doing is great. And I was like, is, is it? <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I don't <laughs> remember, you know, know. Yeah. I'm not sure, but um you know, I, I just kind of kept doing it. And, yeah. and, you know, and like when they said, we're coming around, you know, because they for, yeah. they shoot one side of the scene and then they right. they have to turn the whole room around to shoot the other side. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it's, yeah. it seems like I'm supposed to walk away for a while. So <laughs> I will. I mean, did you go through some of that? Oh, gosh, for sure. And, and you know, this whole industry, they don't tell you this, is like learn on the job. Yeah, yeah. Like even if you if you study theater, unless like you can study theater and then go to Broadway and and it will translate, right? right? But you can't study uh, television film in college. Maybe now, but they probably have working studios and stuff now where you can see what it's like to be on a sitcom set or a film set. Yeah. But 
back when I was there, it, there was no direct correlation between this experience in this classroom and what it will be like at a 5.30 call going to set for the first time. Like, there's just no way to know what it is. And I remember um, when I first started, I, 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 again, did the commercials and I did some sitcoms and I wanted to do a drama. And I remember going, I don't know why I can't do a drama. You know, I was, you know, that was my one little bit of, yeah, I'm yeah. ready. Right. And I, I ended up booking one line on a drama and it was a long tracking shot where I was smack dab in the middle. Like it might've, might as well have been like Cirque du Soleil, someone from Cirque du Soleil doing five flips onto the back of an elephant who then sprung water. And then I walk in and say my line and then the Rockettes come in and do a five minute set. Like I was smack dab in the middle of <laughs> yeah, like something of all like this that. action, yeah. all this action. And every time they got to me, I kept messing up either saying the line wrong the camera wasn't on my face when I said the line or I put the mug of coffee down cause I was playing a, a waitress, put the mug of coffee down at the wrong time. Like I, I had to make everybody reset and go back to one probably 20 times. Oh dear. And I remember wanting the ground to swallow me up. And I spent the rest of that, the next day, in fetal position on the floor of my apartment, rocking back and forth <laughs> going, why, why? And what I learned from that experience is that you don't, don't rush it. Like, don't rush it. Like my, me proudly saying, well, I can do, I'm ready for a single cam drama. No, you aren't though. Yeah. Like you're not. And had yep. you just, had I just waited and done my little co-stars or done one line or, or, you know, done more background work where I could watch and see what, what this experience was like. When it really was my time and my turn, I would not have embarrassed myself and wasted those people's time like that. Yeah. Because the thing is, one thing I do know, the the waitress putting down the mug of coffee in the middle of that scene is not what that scene was about. Right. And so the idea that they had to reset it that many times for me is something that haunts me to this day. And so I don't I don't race ahead in this industry. At yeah. All. I yeah, have not yeah. said, well, why don't I? I ain't said, why don't I since that day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever God sends is fine by me. We've, I mean, everybody that does this for a living has been there. And that, but that feeling that like, well, I mean, you first of all, you have to be built in a way that at, it matters to you. Right. But I have definitely been in that same situation where I keep screwing it up. Mm -hmm. I don't get my line right or I get something wrong. And it's it's the worst. It's, it's like worst. I it, like I'll I'll take I'll take heat. I'll take you know I, I can handle like if a production is screwing me over, but right. if I feel like I'm screwing the production over, oh. I get so furious at myself. Yeah, it really yeah. upsets me too. I don't I don't like to be the weak link. If I'm working on something, I am the first person. Whatever my call time is, I'm showing up 15 minutes before the call time. Yeah, yeah. I am always where. I need to be like when you do a sitcom as during the run through when you're like showing I'm telling this to the the audience not to you I know you I understand but you're showing the um you, there's two times a week where you show the quote unquote play to the the studio the writers the 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 network and as it moves as the play is being the play I say the play as the show is being performed for everyone at the run through the AD has to go and make sure if you're entering from the bedroom, they go and peek around the back to make sure you're standing where you need to be in time for your entrance. I am always right where the AD needs me to be. Yeah. I'm never, they're never, no one is ever looking for me on a set. Yeah. And that's because I don't want anyone to ever have to look for me. I want, if we going to go, I don't want to be the reason we're not going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that experience is one of the things that makes me that way because I, I know what it feels like to be, the reason someone else has to start over. And that is yeah. a horrible feeling. 
I think that's also too even like stronger on poorly run things that I've been on because (laughs) when I I, like I'm already like you guys are so fucked up. But I but and I think but my I got my shit together. So I screw up in that situation. I'm like, oh, yeah, just contributing, contributing to the mess. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, and and, yeah. (laughs) Uh, especially when you're like already feeling superior and then you screwed up. You're like, oh shit. I don't, I don't get to feel superior. Today. Um, and, and did you know, like, so are you fine now doing comedy? I mean, do you worry about, you know, is there still that drive to do drama? Do you still feel like, you know, I, I think, I think that I have some, uh, like a, a strong drama role in me. I don't know that I would want to do it as a series because I don't like how single cams are shot. (laughs) I finally had to accept that I am a multi-cam girl. Like it's not single cam, the turning around in the whole room and being in hair and makeup and Spanx every day. That is just not, not for me. And missing, missing everything in your life for everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did community and that was a a comedy and we were doing 16 hour days every day. So yeah. With a lot of cast too. It's like, so usually when that, with that much cast, you get some days off. Never. No, everybody's all together. All the time. No. So I, so I already know that that's just not, um, that's not my thing. And so I'm getting better at choosing where I want to be and, and what I want to do and saying no to things that don't work for me. And, um, just, you know, just writing it out and just trying to, just trying to have a good life within this industry is is the goal right now. Do you think, because, I mean, I think there is like a thing among com- comic actors to downplay, you know, like it's like, yeah, I'm I'm an actor and I'm successful and I do this. But I mean, it's comedy. It's all just so silly <laughs> and frivolous. I'm not doing the important, right. you know, Meryl Streepy kind of right. stuff. Do you I mean, do you think that does that exist in you at all at all? And, and why do I you mean, think that is? I mean, is that I just a grass is greener? I think that it's actually not even genuine because I think the harder lift is the comedy. Yeah. I think it's harder to elicit a giggle out of someone or chuckle out of someone than it is to make someone cry. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a very specific gift. And I think that most comedians, most people that are fun, comedic actors or stand-ups or whatever, I think most of them can, can do drama because yeah. it's, it's the, it's, I always call it hearing the music, Right. When I do a sitcom, I don't even need an audience because when I read the line, the first script I get of whatever that the show is, I can hear the ba da 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 or the boop boop ba ba. I can hear the music and where the joke should fall. Yeah. I can feel it within me, and it's the same music you hear when you're doing a drama. You can tell where the the tug is. You can tell where the point of the speech is. Right. I yeah. think the the choice is to to not push it. In the same way, a, a comedian, you know where the, the punchline is, but it's going to die if you go, if you like, okay, here we go. Yeah, here yeah, we go. yeah. You, it's the same thing with drama. If you are telegraphing, these are where the tears are going to come, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're dead in the water. So I, yeah. I think that, and no shade to dramatic actors. I mean, Meryl Streep or Viola Davis, come on. Sure, now. yeah. But, but I do think that comedy is harder. Yeah. I think. I think so too. Yeah, because I think you got to like... You got it. I don't know many people that could be really funny actors or, or be funny in things as mm-hmm. actors who aren't like kind of funny on their own. I mean, exactly. There's, I, a, there's a few yeah. that I've met 
that I, where yeah. I'm like, wow, how are you so unfunny in real life? <laughs> <laughs> but only a few, and they're only very rare exceptions. Whereas, you know, it, it does kind of seem like, well, drama, you know, like. Yeah. You know, my problem with acting and drama is that I always I've done so much fake drama acting for comedy purposes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you know, like a serious voiceover kind yeah. of thing. You know, I I don't I it's hard. I feel like whenever I'm doing something, quote unquote, serious, I, it just looks like I'm making fun of it. At yeah. least, to, you know, in my you, estimation. You yeah, know? I, I kind of have a touch of that, too. I because um, the show I'm on right now, Big Shot is a. It's a it's a called a drama. I think it's more of a dramedy. Right. Um, but I That's say the, that with be- John Stamos. Yeah, right? and, yeah, and yeah. I say that because John Stamos and I are both country hams. We're both fools. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so even if we're having like a real serious, you know, thing, we are each going to find something to twinkle about. There's a little yeah. twinkle in us. And even I did a I did Lady in the Tramp for. Um, for Disney Plus was one of the first movies that aired on Disney Plus. And I played the villain. I was Aunt Sarah in that. And even when I was supposed to be really horrible, I still was like kind of funny. Like I just yeah, yeah. I just tried to imbue even the dark characters I play with a little bit of 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 mirth and silliness. Yeah. Um and maybe that's why I'm hired. I don't know. Um because I'm definitely not a serious I can I think I could do it. <laughs> Andy, I do think I yeah, can do yeah. it. I mean there's been no proof on camera yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have, I've only done it. I've only done it a couple of times. And in fact, I just, I was just on Rob Lowe's podcast yeah. and we talked and I, one of the, the, like the biggest one I ever did was after he left the West Wing, he had an NBC legal drama. Oh, what was it called? It was called Lion's Den. Yes, I remember. Like, yeah. You know, Jeremy Lyons. Rob Lyons yeah, or not something. Jeremy, but you know, yeah. And yeah. And I just, I said, and I talked to him about it and I, you know, that like, it was really hard for me because a, it was kind of corny, you know, like it wasn't, it was like, I played a guy, uh, I, it's, it's too long, but like, I played a guy that like screwed up the bait, like reached and tried to grab a foul ball at a baseball game, thereby ruining the team's chances. Oh, and the newspaper, suppo- yeah, the newspaper supposedly printed my name and address, which I just oh. like, like no newspaper would do that in the first yeah. place. But I had to like, just do all this. Like I was kind of supposed to be a dick, which I could do yeah. that. But yeah. there was like all kinds of stuff, but like, what this game meant to me and what baseball <laughs> meant to me, which I just felt like, Andy, is Richter, anyone taking this seriously? Andy Richter, if you're judging the role, it's not good. You have got I to know. be all in. I to the know. I can, a- I can, listen, I can commit to the, to the, I can commit to the people don't know that I have judgments. I can fake it. You know what I mean? It still looks like commitment, even though there's like some like, all right, I'm committed. What about to this. what about our Audible podcast? Did you buy into that world when we were in the room? And yes, yeah, we did a podcast called Vroom Vroom. Yes, although it's weird to call it a podcast. Like it's, it's like they a, need to. It's a radio play. It's a radio you, play. Yeah, that like play. that you buy because it was never anything other than than this scripted piece of entertainment that that was made for audible and like well that was i don't know that was kind of that had a very comic manic energy it to it, it yeah did. yeah but there were but it was really moments. fun that's a really good it's a good thing it's a good there, show there yeah. were serious moments and yeah there yeah were moments that were important in there yeah <laughs> i guess i don't know um room room is available on audible on anyway. audible yes uh check it out and I, we also have to talk about uh, you, this new project, Broken Diamonds. Yeah, uh, I've, I've been told like 
We got to talk you about that. So them, tell me what it is. We talk about Broken Diamonds. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful independent film starring uh, Ben Platt and Lola Kirk, directed by Peter Sattler. Um, Alfonso McCauley is also in it and, and, and me. And it's a story about um, Ben's character um, has big dreams and he has plans for his life. And right on the cusp of him chasing the biggest dream of his life, he ends up becoming a caregiver for his sister who is struggling with schizophrenia. And it's a story about... Um, what happens when life kind of throws you a curveball and you have to choose someone else's well-being over your own yeah and and you know that's that's caregiving in a in a nutshell i'm a caregiver i chose to be a caregiver it wasn't thrust on me ben's character it's thrust on him at a really pivotal moment of his life and he has to figure out how to how to navigate it with grace and how to see his sister as um someone who, who something happened to. Yeah. Right. She didn't choose to struggle with schizophrenia. Schizophrenia happened to her and him trying to find the softer way of navigating that with her um, is really beautiful. And I think it's a, it's a great movie and, um, and we're going to start streaming everywhere on Monday video on demand. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And it's on, it's on all the platforms. It'll be everywhere. Anywhere you want to see it, it'll be there. Broken diamonds. I will, I will give it a look. Yeah. Um, And is that, is that kind of the, would you like to kind of do more of that kind of indie movie sort of? You know, I would, I would love an indie movie that had a very tight schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and good craft service. Yeah, I want, yeah. I, and good trailers. I want the kind of indie movie where, you know, they got one, they can do one take of everything. Yeah, yeah. Like be, because I'm really good in the first there's diminishing returns with me as an actor. Like, <laughs> you better get in. Yeah, yeah. Get that first, first Just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can do 12 takes, but I'm going to be good for two of them. The first yeah. two. Yeah, The rest yeah. will be hot garbage. So I need. I like to be on sets where the director likes to, you know, I, I think I do good on a Clint Eastwood set. I heard that he gets in and gets out. Yeah. Like, let's not beat a dead horse. Let's get in here and, and find it and move on. So, yeah, yeah that kind of indie film. Um, that's good yeah because i yeah i've done yeah well it's been a while i mean i've been off on conan island for so long yeah that uh there has you know i mean i i can do some guest spot stuff but but i haven't been in an indie movie for a while and and i which i don't have anything against like being in an indie movie except for the fact that sometimes when you go there and they're like okay you know because acting you know how much waiting around there is yeah it's like okay you got two or three hours now and it's (laughs) sort of like well, where should I go? There's a folding chair sitting over there <laughs> against the wall. Un- under the tree <laughs> yeah, is a yeah. folding chair. Okay. A rickety one, too. Yeah, Listen, the yeah. folding chairs don't always hurt, hold your girth. You might, have, you might be a little <laughs> Believe me, heavier yeah, yeah. than what that chair can manage. So good luck. Yeah. Or just wider. Maybe yeah, not heavier, yeah. just wider. Good luck with the folding chair, yeah, America. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Because I, I, <laughs> you do, you know, you do get used to having your own little, even if it's a, you know, even if it's like a trailer that's split up into four little sort of yeah, like little, horse your, stalls, your, as long stall. as I got my own little horse stall, stall I, I to just go and not have to make small talk I feel so I can remember my lines, that's I fine. The, you know? Usually it's remember my line yes. and for me. <laughs> and the other thing is too, like I, I'm, I'm an aesthetic person, like especially on set. Like if I'm not home with my things, I need to be in a nice space. 
So I've realized that as I've gotten older and longer in the industry, I will fight more for a nice trailer than money. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I, yes, give me the $5, but I do need a door on the bathroom in my trailer. <laughs> like, yes. I need yes. three steps up instead of two. And I need, you know, can, can I have a one that's got the, the the nice leather couch and not the one that's fabric? Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, the, like, the, I, the, I the fight door to the stuff. bathroom that isn't a curtain. Yeah, I need an yeah. actual door to the bathroom. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No mold on the ceiling is nice. I'd love no mold. I I, I had a couple where there's that you walk in and when you smell the mold, when you can smell it, you're going to (laughs) die. I I was on, I, when I was on a show, Quintuplets, it did a whole season on Fox and me and my TV wife, uh, Rebecca Kreskoff, we shared what they call a two banger, which is a a trailer that's bisected. So it's half and half. And I had, it looked like, the shroud of Turin was on the ceiling <laughs> of this of this thing. It was so moldy and so gross. Oh my god! And I would s- complain to the Teamsters because it's Teamsters that runs the trailer for people. Right. I would say like, "Hey, it's really gross in here," and nothing ever happened. And then about halfway through the season, the production manager was walking by and popped in for just a second to say, so, "You know, the, tell me about something." And she looked up and she was like, "Oh my god!" I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been talking about. She's like, oh, and the next day it was like, I just and, you know, you learn lessons like that. Like, you don't want to be the one that like makes a bunch of beefs and complains and stuff. But then you find out like you learn something where I learn like, oh, next time I have black mold on the ceiling, I'm going to like go to someone who can do something about it and say, hey, look at this. Isn't this bad? And they will go, oh, yeah, that's bad. Right. And then it gets actually taken care of, you know. So. Yeah, I just had that recently with a, something I did, and I did not speak up because I, I have a, I don't want to ever be the the prima donna or yeah, the yeah, I don't either. But at a certain point, like you kind of want there to be handles on the cabinets, and mm-hmm. you do want there not to be mold. That's that's yeah. a health issue. That's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. you know, ah, life. Yeah, I know, I know. Here we are complaining about our trailers. Our trailers. Well, sorry, we got, we spend a lot of time in those damn things. <laughs> we do, we do. Yeah. Well, where do you um, what's where's your life going next? Where do you where do you see it going? Are there things you're doing you're not going to do? Is it just kind of a continuation of you what know, you're doing? You I, know, I think I think I'm going to be more strategic in what I say yes to because I think when you first start out, you have um, you just want to work and you're just saying yes to everything and. Um, now I'm, I'm getting to, I'm, I'm of an age and I'm getting to a place in my career where I want quality of life. I want yeah. to see my dog and be able to feed my father, uh, a meal that I cooked, um, yeah. every day. And so that means I have to make different choices for what I say yes to. Yeah. So that's the next thing. Um, I also have got a really strong Lego addiction that I am feeding. <laughs> really? I, oh my gosh. I've in, since my, I've got back from Ireland. I was in Ireland doing Disenchanted. Since I got back, I have probably put together five or six Lego kids. Wow. I am doing them one a night at this wow. point. I've done Sesame Street, Winnie the Pooh. I did Owl. I did Paris. I did uh, a, a, a whole vase of flowers. I did the, the yellow Fiat. I did a bonsai tree. I did Seinfeld and Friends. Like, uh, that say Winnie the Pooh? I literally am every <laughs> night building something. And so yeah. I don't know how long this is going to have its hold on me, but it's very zen. Yeah. And so I want to get to a point in my life where anything like that that I love, there's time to do. Yeah. So that means, and maybe I'll do it on set. Maybe I'll take it into my moldy trailer and I'll be putting it together in there. But um, 
I want more of that. I want more of things that make me feel peaceful and zen in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. More opportunities to do stuff like that. I love building Legos. Me I, too. Yeah. I have a half-built uh, Volkswagen Bug in, oh, in my is, living is it, room. Is it the yellow one? Which one do you have? I, I have the Fiat. Gr- I think it's green. Green. Yeah, I, I, have, the, green. I have the Fiat. Um, but it it's like – and a, a years ago I made uh, – with my son, we made a VW camper bus, bus oh, that was really so fun great. to do. Yeah. It's so I, I love it. I just yeah. love the, the, the completion of it. I love watching it form. Like when I made the Fiat, yeah. like you start with the undercarriage and then you just so slowly watch this car yep. come together in front of you and it actually rolls and the, you can lift up the, the front and see the tire, the spare tire in the front. Yeah. It's, it's just great. After I'm done with it, though, I do kind of feel like, like when we built it, it's kind of like, well, I guess, I don't know. I don't, well, you, know you know what I do? No, this is what I do. If it's if it's one that really matters to me, and like I have the Millennium Falcon that I built, I'm a big Star Wars nerd, mm-hmm. so I'm keeping that forever. But yeah. if it's one that I just liked and I didn't love, I take it apart, put it in a huge Ziploc in Ziploc bags with the with the little booklet, and then I and put it back in the box and give it to Goodwill. Oh, that's great. So there's great. kids or young people, or even old, older people that love Legos that maybe can't afford them. They get to have the set that they, you know, yeah, exciting it would be to get there and see you know, the complete, Millennium Falcon or a, com- yeah, a complete yeah. set with instructions and all the yeah. pieces ready to go. Like yeah, that would be great. awesome. So that's what I do. So you might want to do that. Then you can then you'll feel guilty building. I will. Build and then donate. I will. Yep. Well, what do you think is the point of the event story? Uh, <laughs> you know, is there uh, like what, what, like, <laughs> wow. I mean, you've kind of, you've kind of <laughs> given, well, you know, that's the final of these three questions. Yes. The, what have you learned part? And you've been sharing a lot of that already. Yeah. What's the, what's um, the point? What yeah. Did I but do can this you for? sum it up? Um, I think the, the, the point of me being here is to model kindness and um, care for others. And I hope that anyone that has met me or worked with me or even stood behind me in a grocery store line, feels that I care about them and feels yeah. that um, what they want in life and what they dream of in life is just as important as what I want and what I dream of. And, you know, there's been seasons of my life where what other people wanted was even more important than what I wanted. Um, I hope that, um, you know, like I'll, I've said this often when I pass away, um, I hope that my legacy is kindness. I hope that people come together and and speak of how nice I was. Yeah. Like that, that would be more than she was Emmy nominated or an Emmy winner or more than she was cute or whatever somebody might, she's talented, whatever some nice thing someone might mm-hmm. say about me. None of that is more important than someone saying when I was in need, Yvette listened to me or she had gave me great advice or she just was kind to me when I yeah. really needed someone to be kind. That, that is most important. And, and just bouncing back to the loss of my mother, that's the legacy of my mother. Like my mother was, just a ball of light and love. And anyone that met her at a bingo hall or just in a grocery store, they just, or on set, because I took her to set all the time. She's like the set mascot of every show I ever did. Yeah, Everyone walked away with a story of something she did or said that I didn't even know about. Like I've gotten calls from people, like I was behind your mom and craft services one day on the set of community. And she said this to me and it changed how I think about this. Or, you know, she would call friend, my friends on their birthday. My One of my friends lost her mom right before she turned 50. And my mother spent an hour on the phone with her so that she would have a mom call. Like, oh, that's wow. who my mother was. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think finish. you have much to worry about because, I mean, you know, we did that one thing together. And, I mean, aside from how funny and talented and great you are and everything you, that you do, I mean, you go beyond, you know, just the fact that, like, 
that you do care for your dad every day. Yeah. That's that's really, really rare and oh. really, really special to do that Thanks, because Andy. I, you know, A, it's like, you know, people might have complicated enough relationships with their parents that it right. might, there might be misgivings for, the, for, you know, for to take care of somebody that you have, you know, Some complicated with, yeah, feelings for. Yeah. With, right. But also too, it's like, you can afford to have, to just not have to do that yourself yeah. and you do it yourself because you, because you think it's right. And that's unbelievable. It's yeah. really, it's really, you know, if there's, uh, you know, there's got to be some reward for it. I think you're probably getting it, though, don't you think? Yeah, like, I think yeah, listen, it's it's you know the I, kindness that you've put out is has a dividend. Hundred percent is hundred yeah. percent has come back. I I have great friendships. My relationship with my dad is wonderful. My dog is amazing. I had a great mother. Um, my career is is rewarding. You know, I'm not starving anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Like I can actually go and buy. You know, uh, actual potatoes and make real potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of flakes, ain't nothing wrong with, with real flakes, milk flakes and real butter. Yeah, real yeah. milk and butter. Irish cream butter. I get the carry gold now. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's it's. I'm I'm blessed. I'm very blessed, and I try to I try to be a blessing every single yeah. day. I try to I try to sew back into the the good karma uh, piggy bank every day that I live. So, and it's rewarding. It's its own reward. It really is. Being decent is its own reward. I believe. You are absolutely right. And thank you for blessing us thank here you, on the three Victor. questions with your presence. And everybody go uh, go look at uh, Broken Diamonds because it's already it's already out by the time yeah, this by the is going to be on. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, but thank you so much, Yvette. It's thank great you, to see honey. you again. Good to see you. We and have to take our picture. Don't, don't Yeah, we do. We do. We We're going to take a picture. Uh, okay. But you all, you all go away. Uh, this is the <laughs> end of this episode of the three questions. And we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.